Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is a very special podcast. I'm here today uh, with Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Dr. Jay Calvert checking in with everybody here. And we have today a guest. We have a very, very special guest. <laughs> Whitney Johns. Hello. How are you doing, Whitney? I am doing well. It is, what, four days, three days post-op? Three days post-op. I am shocked at how good I feel, actually. This is my second breast augmentation, so this is a revision, replace, and my first surgery, the first five days were absolute misery hell-like. So I was expecting the same thing, and for some reason... Maybe it's because of the doctor. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can't, I'm like, wow, I'm doing great. So That's let's good. bring everybody up to stuff. What we did yeah. is we did a uh, revision breast operation where we did a removal and replacement of your breast implants, but we also did a lot of pocket work, mm-hmm. capsulectomy, uh, changed from saline to silicone, mm-hmm. got new positioning of the implants under the muscle. So, and we went to a uh, larger size implant to fill the pocket because you were looking for some cleavage. Mm-hmm. Cleavage, yep. There was a <laughs> lot of separation that was going on with the first. And my areolas were not, they were like cross-eyed or not. What's the, <laughs> cross-eyed? What's the opposite of cross-eyed? <laughs> I think they were actually cock-eyed. Cock-eyed. Uh, cock-eyed. cock-eyed. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's were. an actual term, yeah. but that's what they were. They were going in the wrong direction. And somehow they're just perfectly symmetrical and facing the same direction, which who knew that could be possible? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because people who, you know, you they live with their breast implants and them not being right for so long that they just think, well, this That's is, how this it is, is. This is what I got. Yeah. Yes. You know, and then they don't realize what's sort of possible because they never thought like, well, wait, what if they were even or what if I did yeah. swap these out and do something different? Yeah, I lived for 12 years with, well, mine were saline. So and I never felt like they fully settled in. They were always like bags of liquid. <laughs> Yeah. Basically you know what like they are. 40 year old virgin when he describes the boob that he's never touched and he says, <laughs> you know, like bags of sand. <laughs> and they're like, you've never seen a boob have it. I'm like, actually, that's kind of how my boobs feel. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's sad. But I just was like, well, this is, this is how they are. I was never happy with them, but it was like, well, I have lumps there. It's yeah. better than being flat-chested, so yeah. you sort of just live with it, and yeah, it was, I mean, this is way better. Now I'm going to actually like these. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing, is that I, I think it's an important topic, uh, because people who are, if, if you don't know who Whitney Johns is, A, you know, you must live in a cave, but um, <laughs> she is a uh, fit girl and workout queen and and a uh and your job really is that you do personal training for people mm-hmm. you do private programs and you also are a uh, fitness model mm-hmm. so in managing breast implants with the kind of rigorous workout schedule dietary issues thin you know the skin is thin you, do, you mm-hmm. have you know very negative, little fat <laughs> negative four percent body fat yeah actually fat falls off of other people and gets gobbled into the abyss of your negative fat content right um which is cool but the uh that really means that you're going to see the implant so yes. how we do the the revision and which implant we use and how we place it that's really a big part of making this work yes. which is something 
I do a lot of because I'm in Beverly Hills and in mm-hmm. Los Angeles and there are lots of fitness people here yes. That, yes. that come with the same problems. Well, and a lot of competitors. So I was I was a professional competitor, fitness competitor, where you get in, you, you get on stage, you pose. Um, I actually ended up getting my pro card, but the amount of leanness that you need to get down to, the body fat percentage, there's so many girls that that will get implants and by the time they get to as lean as they need to be to be stage ready the implants end up looking pretty bad most of the time unless they're done really really right seen it yeah well so were your original ones under the muscle or over the muscle they were under the muscle however even when i went to dr calvert i was like i feel like one of them was over and one was under. It was a really very uneven look. Like one looked a little bit more concealed, and one looked like there was just a ball of saline. <laughs> so, and then that's what I was wondering. What did you find when you went into surgery? So it's pretty common when um, saline implants are placed under the muscle without muscle release. The muscle uh, sort of acts like a band, like a band and snaps down against the chest wall and squeezes the implant into a more lateral and lower position so that it's actually sub subglandular. subglandular. Sub, yes. It p- pushes itself out from under the muscle. Mm. Yeah, and we yeah. see this a lot. Yeah. And uh, especially Just in people crazy. that work yeah. out because if you work your chest, then you're going to push down on that implant and it's going to be lower and lateral, which is exactly where your implants were. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you also had a contracture on the right side, which was causing that flatness on the... Uh, on the underside. Yeah, it was like a, yes, it was like a s- straight line on yes. here. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> and I had kept, I have been advised not to do chest after getting your boobs done. But mine were so not desirable in the look for so long from the very beginning that I was like, screw it, I'm just going to do chest (laughs) because how much worse could it get, right? (laughs) So I think that's the question that I get a lot from followers is, okay, can you work your chest? Should you work your chest if you go under the muscle? Is it wise? Is it going to make it worse? Can you do that and still have it be, you know no consequences like what is your take on that um i usually tell my patients to be careful to Mm -hmm. to take it easy with the chest workout um even things as simple as you know push-ups or planks or any kind of yoga positioning just be really careful even that like vinyasa with the yoga um certainly every once in a while or you know one or two days a week but if you're doing that constantly Mm -hmm. it's exactly what dr calvert said is that constant contraction of the pectoralis muscle is going to push those implants out laterally Mm -hmm. and i I hate to tell them don't work out your chest, but just conceptually to me, I'm like, just take it easy. Right. So, I I mean, that is my question for people who do competitive, you know, fitness. Are most of the models going under the muscle? From what I, I, well, people, I think it's this weird debate that it's like nobody really knows. It's, I've had so many people that are like, over the muscle ends up just being like, so that you can work your chest. But I don't like the aesthetic no. as much. I don't think it looks as smooth. It's not as smooth, and especially in women that have very little body fat and probably very little breast tissue, yeah. 
if you don't have anything covering that implant, it is going to just look like a ball stuck on the chest. Right. So theoretically, under the muscle, is going to give you a smoother look, mm -hmm. but then you have the conundrum of working out your chest. That's why I think a lot of fitness uh, girls, they'll end up just using the, the push-up bra all the time, no matter what size. They always feel like they have to squeeze it together because yeah, they do <laughs> naturally. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a good uh, full size fist oh, yeah. space in between yes. the uh, saline implants, yeah. which also is consistent with the pecs pushing the, yeah. the implants way out laterally and inferiorly. Yeah. So that that's where, uh, you know, when you first said, hey, you know, how about redoing these? I was like. You need to switch to silicone. We need to yes. release that pack. We need to go larger so that you can fill out the width of your chest wall. I mean, the, people always get like freaked out by the volume numbers. And, mm -hmm. and Dr. Ravello and I have talked about this on other podcasts where we said, don't go by the number. Go by the base width of your, of your breast, your height and your weight. You know, your what, what you're looking for, yeah. width of your shoulder yeah. width. All those things add up so that the, the number is just a device that you're fitting to the chest wall. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think originally I had, what was it? Three fifty four. They were three forties overfilled to four forty or three fifties overfilled to four forty. I'm sorry. Yeah. And cause we, when we took them out, we measured the saline that was in them and it was four forty. So that's pretty overfilled. That's very overfilled. Yeah. And especially for a saline implant. That's, hmm. that's probably the max overfill. 440. And it made, that's what made yeah. them very firm. Very hard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Super firm. And then when I was sort of kind of leading up to this, getting people's, just to document this whole journey, I kept telling, you know, sharing, okay, I'm thinking about five between 500 and 600 cc's. And I had so many people, everybody's an expert, right? Yeah. So many people, well, do not. not go 600. <laughs> You're going to look like a porn star. And looking at these, I'm like, this is actually the perfect size. It's like yeah. perfectly proportionate to what I feel like it should have always been. Because it's not that it's this way. People are thinking 600, you're going to be like, Bleh. it's like more rounded and full, which is what I always wanted to achieve. I just wanted a rounded, fuller, you know, filled out chest. Right. Yeah. You wanted to fit your breast. And that's yeah. that was the key is we picked an implant that had good projection, but it's not like, you know, these, you know, overfill over you know, it, it is actually an overfilled implant that we used yeah. for you, but mm -hmm. we used a high profile moderate from mm -hmm. Mentor. And the mentors come up with this extra filled gel implant, which I love. And it you know, you know, not to disparage any of the other companies, but the way that they do it is they add a little bit of extra silicone into the shell so that it's a little bit different uh, tension on the gel. Hmm. It just makes for a really nice. Yeah. It's just, I, it's, I love them. I think they really yeah. look great. And well, and I'm five. My patients are really into it. Yeah, I'm five nine and one forty also. So I feel like that makes a difference also it makes a right? difference if you're super totally. tiny it's like it's a different it's a different story and my shoulders are pretty broad so i feel like it could handle without it looking out of place or too you know out of proportion i think when you first uh contacted me i said well it's probably like a 550 or 600 is the right side based on your height and weight yeah because i mean not even like looking at the breasts i was just like yeah based on your height and weight it's probably like 550 600 and we wound up putting in a 580 Mm -hmm. uh, high profile, extra filled 
but it's a it's a moderate high. So it's a it's a little step down from the the projection. I think the high profile projection on that implant is a five point eight centimeters. This is five point five centimeters. It it's sounds not, like it doesn't yeah. make a difference, but it, it does. does. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the artistry of doing this. Mm-hmm. Is like you have to kind of factor everything in. It's not just you know taking out some saline bags and putting in some new ones. Right. There's a lot that goes into the decision yeah. tree of how to create beautiful breasts and do it in the setting of somebody that like I know you're going to work these things out like right. that's coming yeah. yeah so that's the next question what are you going to do about that well, now that you actually like your breasts right exactly <laughs> now I want to like baby these well and, and I think just like he said it's more about isolating okay so isolating your shoulders isolating your arms your back um, and just and then being careful to not isolate your chest so much yeah. Um, I also was wondering about the firmness of it because it's like obviously I came from having very hard implants. So I had heard mixed reviews about whether you go softer, um, less dense. I, can, I don't know the exact cohesive. term. Cohesive, yes. Less cohesive versus highly cohesive. But you were saying, and I think this is important for all the fitness girls that are listening hopefully because i want all my fitness girls to listen to this is it's gonna be less rippling the leaner you are the less rippling you're gonna get from a more highly cohesive implant correct yes that's the idea i mean it it doesn't always happen that way um you know i've put in gummy bears which are the allergen product um where it's super highly cohesive they're almost like a like a solid rubber uh, implant and they can still have rippling because they're not solid rubber. They mm-hmm. are. It's still a cohesive gel, mm-hmm. and e- even though you think that's going to take care of it, that's what the the answer from Mentor is. This extra filled, highly cohesive gel. I've put in a bunch of them. You know, I haven't seen rippling with uh, with them as of yet. But everybody I've put them into has had pretty decent amounts of breast tissue. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of patients who have no fat whatsoever. I put in the uh, gummy bears, the allergens. I still see some rippling. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. Nothing that fat grafting won't take take care of, but you have to do multiple rounds. And as the fat goes away, you're back to square one with the rippling. Mm-hmm. That was another question I got um, a lot is gummy bears versus silicone. Now, is it the same? Is it a little different? I know gummy bears were the hot thing like a few years ago they're not actually made of gummy bears <laughs> damn it I know. those they Haribo. sound so tasty <laughs> I was hoping I the Haribos were going to be in there I the cinnamon flavor I'm about you <laughs> they come right from France <laughs> and they are delicious <laughs> so when you're all done you take them out 10 years after <laughs> you can eat them and they're good no it's the same thing so the term and this is like when you start going down these rabbit holes of forums it can get super super messy mm-hmm. um, because the terminology <clears throat> varies from in Implant company to implant company. Mm, so when people say cohesive, there's a very that means the density of the gel. But that's a terminology that's kind of specific to the allergen and a little bit to the Sientra implants because they have different levels of cohesivity. And the gummy bear implants are by definition the most cohesive ones, the highly cohesive. Mm. Everything else on the cohesive spectrum is not technically a gummy bear, mm-hmm. although they are 
you know, more cohesive than the average gel, but they're all a version of silicone gel. The mentor implants don't really have that range of cohesivity. Their solution to treating rippling is to overfill the implant. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like potato, potato. Mm. Um, And if you start really trying to get super technical about it, you can make yourself crazy. Right. Um, The important thing to know is that pretty much any brand of implant in 2021 has some level of cohesivity or overfilled factor Mm -hmm. that mitigates the old runny silicone implants Mm -hmm. of yesteryear yeah that's really key and and that's the that's what you're trying to avoid is that and you know and you still see rippling i mean i have i have some super thin uh models that have uh really large implants in and you still see some rippling it's right not, it's not terrible because they're, they're not solid i mean there is still some yeah. you know liquid the yeah. softness to yes. the implants which, which you want right so unless it's a completely rubber stuck on implant there's going to be right. some rippling dimpling. is just part of the deal yeah and if a you don't bit. have any fat you're yeah. going to see yes. something yeah if you yeah. if you have a couple sandwiches you see that rippling <laughs> goes away you know but if you don't eat for you know months at a time then you're going to see the implant yeah and true. you're going to see every little aspect of it so I'm surprised have you some gummy bears gummy bears it'll be just fine so then at what point do you recommend fat grafting is it just depending on how particular people want to be on the visibility of the actual shape of the implant or is it necessary in certain cases or is it more of just a vanity add-on i think it's if you see the rippling i think if you like medial cleavage rippling can pretty well be treated with fat grafting yeah. but the problem is the people that need fat grafting yeah, don't, don't have, have any fat, fat. <laughs> that's a right. huge problem i just struggled like, where with, do we yeah. get it <laughs> i struggled with that this morning i had a woman who was like zero percent body fat and she needed fat grafting so that is the problem but there is another uh, cohort of people that do really well with implants and fat grafting and it's women that want the volume and the look of implants but also want a little bit more of a natural look to it as well and if they have nice fat stores to give you it's great because you Mm -hmm. can put a higher level of fat not to correct like a deformity or a little area of rippling but to really give more soft volume around the Mm -hmm. implant that makes sense. Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty nice. People yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, for your uh, fitness people that you know who've had uh, implants, what would you say about, you know, now that you're looking at these implants, what would you say about sort of the the journey that you went on? Because you know, you've had these for a while. It wasn't like mm-hmm. yesterday that you got those saline implants. So. Mm-hmm. What did you go through and what might you have done differently now knowing what you know so that they can kind of head it off at the pass rather than having to kind of wait through it? Well, I think back then, 12 years ago, silicone had had like still sort of been like outlawed. I don't know if it was yeah, outlawed. There was a ban in the 90s. It was, it was like yeah. banned. Yeah. And then probably before both of you were born. But it was uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was a resident, it was, silicone implants were banned. I think they banned. came back in like 2004, 2005, something like yeah, that. But even then, strong. the yeah. general public and even some plastic surgeons yeah. were a little bit like, eh, See, about I think them. mine was 2008. Yeah. So I think it had just barely been back on the market. So yes. at that point, I was like, then I still feel like a guinea pig because then I don't know what the deal would be if i get leaking or whatever so i was like i'll just go with saline because it seems like a safe bet right 
I wish I would have gone saline or I mean silicone because it just it feels so much better. Like I just yeah. never it never felt like you were grabbing breast tissue. It yeah. was always yeah. Um, you know another random fact, and I don't know if this is something you guys would agree upon. I was very out of alignment right before my surgery. Like I really needed a chiropractor adjustment. Hmm. I don't know if this is a thing or not, but it I could have sworn. And I was very out of alignment. I, w- I had, you know, been getting regular chiropractic treatments, but I was really out of alignment. So I went, when I went into surgery, I was out of alignment. And then when you're healing, you're kind of like in this position just as self-preservation feeling like you need to hunch and like uh, I don't want to do this too much I don't want to massage too much and I didn't massage enough and I felt like I healed kind of in a weird like crooked uh, yeah like out of alignment kind of a way so this is why this this time around I went to a few chiropractic adjustments to make sure I was in alignment <laughs> and then good. this time smart. and then this time I'm not going to shy away from massaging because I didn't massage enough and I think that, that was probably part of the reason why they were very stiff and hard and I was afraid it like weirded me out to have to like move them around them and move them around so I think it's to keep in mind it's like you're gonna regret it unless you like really move the tissue around and really get that blood flowing and and not be afraid of that like it might be uncomfortable but you're gonna pay for it in the long term if you avoid it and just let them heal kind of you know yeah no we like massage we think it's yeah. important do you have your patients massage? Not really. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know about this whole we thing. <laughs> I think it's important. I don't know about this one. She's doing a whole other thing over there. Whatever she's got going on, that's her deal. But I, mean, I'll I like to, massage. I'll tell them to do a little bit. I'm like, oh, push them up, push them down. You know, like keep it mobile in the yeah. pocket. Yes. But I don't have them like go to town with I it. I kind of, I'm like, either. I kind of like, I kind of put them where I want them. I don't really want you messing with it too much. Yeah. But a little bit of gentle massage just to keep the implant, you know, soft. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that helps. I like it to move up and down like a, yeah, like exactly. A piston, a little piston. A cylinder. Yeah, I do I that. Do. I have them do that. Yeah. So okay. I think that's important. I don't yeah. like them to go to town either. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, I wouldn't go to town. Not yet. <laughs> regardless. But to you can go to town move. like three to six weeks. You can yes. go to town. But like yes. now, I just want you to take it easy. Just a little bit of massage, like I showed you. Yes. And that's all. And, you know, because you didn't really. In have, and up. Yeah, in and up. That's in what and I like. I like that's it. Build that cleavage. Keep it going up. Because, yeah. I mean, I when I do the muscle release, I want to keep that implant behind the muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's there's a part that's covering over the top. And then below, there's not, you know, there's no muscle coverage down low. It's just mm-hmm. the implant sitting there. Um but if you can keep that implant up high where it belongs, you know, and I put that whole uh, row of sutures in to close the, the pocket down on both sides, then you're going to have, you know, really nice placement. And mm-hmm. that's why I wear the bra. Life will be good. And yeah. you'll have a great result with this operation. Yeah. One more question about bra. So I have some friends that were like, oh, I got, I got a boob job so that I never have to wear a bra again. Ah! So (laughs) that's a no, no, right? That was your plastic surgeon screaming. (laughs) That's what I I would think is like, so can't that be very detrimental? Age, gravity will always, always win. And especially if you have larger implants, 
um, you need the only thing supporting them now is your skin and your own body. Mm-hmm. And if your skin's already thin, you don't have a lot of tissue. I mean, gravity's going to win. So the more external support you can give these mm-hmm. implants, the longer they're going to last you. You want to go out for a night on the town? Sure, have at it, right. take it off. Right, but. Every day, I mean, I even preach the nighttime bras, like wear a supportive bra bra Hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah, a a sports bra at night. I mean, that that's not even just for people with implants. That's for people with breasts. Yeah. General. Because you don't want to get sagging breasts. You're asking for a lift later. Right. Like needing a lift later. We're happy to help, but you you want to avoid it. Actually, take it back. Don't ever wear a bra. (laughs) That's right. for you guys. (laughs) We want an epidemic of uh, (laughs) breast toses. No. I mean, it's like you can really... Do your breasts right by by keeping them uh, supported, and mm-hmm. it makes a big difference in terms of the long term, for sure. Especially with implants, but even just for for like people who have you know a little bit of you know B cup or bigger breast tissue, mm-hmm. there's there's reason to have a bra on, and I which is I know uncomfortable and not from personal experience, but I hear about it, yeah. and you know the patients are like, oh, I hate wearing a bra at night, and like, but find a comfortable, there's a way, yeah. Yeah. Bra. Yeah. there's yeah. got to be a way, there's a way. Yeah. I had one more question uh, from a follower that said she has very mismatched size from one side to the other. I think she said she had like an A and like a C uh, naturally. Yes. So she was asking, can your doctor even that out? And is it just a completely different implant size on each side? Or like, how do they even that out? That is a very hard surgery because typically these patients actually have what's known as a congenital breast deformity or a version of tuberous breast deformity. And so in addition to being asymmetric from one side to the other, usually, you know, 95% of the time, there are actual anatomic structural anomalies to the breasts themselves. So it's a much bigger undertaking than just putting in one size implant versus, you know, Mm. a double sized implant on the other side. Um, that is what you end up doing. You put mm-hmm. one size larger, one size not. But there's usually a, a whole lot of extra work that goes into making those even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a tricky. That's operation. a hard operation. But yeah. it's it's doable. And there's yeah. a lot of uh, there's a lot of women that have that. They have a very small breast on one side and a you know C cup D cup yeah. on the other side. So you right. wind, you typically wind up doing some kind of reduction, some kind of implant. Right. And that. You know, it just depends situation to situation, but the uh, obviously the the options are there to make the situation much better, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. You know, it's uh, it's just you have to be willing to work at it, and that's typically not one where I tell the patients, "Oh, this is going to be a one and done." No, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like we're going to do one. You bought a couple and surgeries. Then we're going to reassess. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And then we're yeah. going to do a little bit yeah. more, and then we're going to reassess. Yeah. You know, just like I told you with this, it's like it would be great if we won and done this thing, but there's you know some ten percent chance we have to do come some kind of scar revision or mm-hmm. possibly. You know, reposition the implant. I mean, there's things that come up, I and mean, yeah. these are not simple operations when you're into the revision kind of side of things and the reconstructive side. When you're just putting in breast implants, somebody who's never had implants, they have small breasts, want them larger. You know, there's a lot less complication rate and problems that you deal with with mm-hmm. that type of operation. But stuff like you're going through is is much more difficult and has to be taken very seriously and before you kind of sign up you have to know what you're getting into yeah. and that's that's really key right knowing the risks for elective surgery it's like you're going 
Um, I know I keep saying one more question. I have one more question. <laughs> no, but really. <laughs> but really, the last one. There will be we'll see. There could be a couple more. Here's another. <laughs> another question I just remembered is someone said that they had lost, I think, 100 pounds or something. They were like obese. They lost 100 pounds. And so in that case, if they wanted to get breast augmentation, is it an easy, like, how does that that is work. not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to the body lift queen here. Oh, yeah, the body lift queen. <laughs> she will tell that you is... about breast implants and massive Ew, weight loss patients. Are tough. Is a, tough. It's its own podcast in yeah. and of itself. It's a big topic. Yeah. The problem yeah. is the skin. Um, usually they've yeah. lost a lot of volume of the breast itself, and the skin itself has no elasticity to mm. it. It's extra. It's redundant. And so implants are usually always necessary in addition to some kind of usually major lift like a lift a lift with implants and then really just redoing the entire breast from Mm -hmm. scratch almost which lifts uh also is that come with a lot of scarring Mm -hmm. and that that particular population yes because usually there's a lot of skin Mm -hmm. and the only way to get that extra skin out is with big incisions yeah yeah, except yeah. like what we did for you, which is technically a, a lift. It's a periareolar mm-hmm. adjustment where we're just going around the areola only. So the mm-hmm. scar is just, you know, it's periareolar. Whereas mm-hmm. with the massive weight loss patient, you're talking about an anchor scar, you know, where there's a front incision, which you do not have. Mm-hmm. And then one that goes into the fold. And then we even wrote a paper about this a long time ago, uh, again, before electricity when I was younger, uh, <laughs> about the lateral breast flap and using some of that skin to actually hold the implant in position. Hmm. And that that makes a, a big difference also in terms of – because there was a time when when I was learning this that the the expert said – and you don't use breast implants in massive weight loss patients. You have to. But you have to. <laughs> you have to. But they really were like, they don't work. It's mm-hmm. a mess. You're going to have to revise them a hundred times, which is possible. True. That's mm-hmm. true. Maybe like mm-hmm. twice. You just have to explain to the patients mm-hmm. that like, this isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, just getting some breast implants or, mm-hmm. you know, getting a nose job or something like that. It's, it is a reconstructive uh, process. Yeah, process. Yeah. yeah. That's a good term. Yeah. It is a process, which mm-hmm. means you have to kind of be on board for it. Yeah. Otherwise, don't sign up. <laughs> right. Totally. You know, and I, I tell my patients that all the time. You know, if you're not willing to take you know, that especially risk. my revision rhinoplasty patients, I said, you know, there's a 15% chance, uh, in some cases, 25% chance you're going to need revision surgery. If that's not okay with you, then don't sign up. Right. You know, and then these people come back unhappy and say, like, I can't believe I need revision surgery. I said, well, you knew there was a 15 to 25% chance right, of Right, right. You know, how are you shocked? Right. Oh, but it, it should have been right. And I was like, well... That's nice, but there are parts. You're like asking me to be Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) perform miracles, and walk on water. (laughs) Yes, Whitney, that's it right there. (laughs) I cannot do that, and that—that's not my goal. My goal is to under to explain these are the body's wound healing uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. These are the things I can do for you. And then there's an X factor to all the stuff that Mm -hmm. doesn't allow me to say you're going to have an awesome outcome. This one's going to need revision. This one's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. fine, but needed. You know, we don't know those things, and, right. and I know people want us to know that, and we try to know it, mm-hmm. but it's just not possible with a lot of these uh, yeah. revision operations. They're really hard. Limit to each yeah. surgery. Yeah, there are definite limitations of the operations. There's limitations to people's wound healing capabilities, and there are limitations to you know sometimes you know some implants just don't work for people. I mean, I'm sure Dr. Ravello can tell you some stories from her 
massive weight loss patient yeah. and implant combos that are really mm-hmm. tough. It's a challenge. Yeah. It is a huge challenge. Well, yes. we're glad you're healing so well. Do you have any yes. questions for us other than the ones that you've already <laughs> asked and the one more? Anything else that we can kind of hmm. tell you about? I have a question. I have a question. Um, I'm speaking for Whitney. Mm-hmm. When can she work out? Yeah. She Doctor. can start doing um, weights, squats, uh, elliptical trainer, non-impactful, uh, non-shaking like no and jarring, bouncing exercises, probably another 10 days. Mm-hmm. You know, so once she's about two to three weeks out, I say go easy. But I, I would imagine she lifts more than what I lift. I use like three pound weights. Sure. How much can she lift? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is her limitation? I'm not worried about her doing curls and tricep kickbacks and things like that. So that, she can do what she wants to do. But I always say, ease into it and make sure it doesn't pull. Mm-hmm. If you feel pulling, that's bad. Mm-hmm. If you feel muscle spasms, that's bad. If you feel like you're doing damage, then stop doing it. Mm-hmm. But I always say you have to ease your way into it. And by six weeks, I have people kind of going gangbusters. At that point, you're good. You know, six so. Wow. But initially. And kickboxing. No. Kickboxing, I would wait six to eight weeks. Six to yeah. eight weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, I would. I'd wait eight weeks. That's just pretty strap bouncy. In. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. That one you want to wait on because you want to, you don't want to take uh, any kind of shot to the, to the implant. No. And if you get hit yeah. in the chest. Yeah. You know, that that's... Uh, so I can't so, get know, any bar fights close. either? <laughs> bar fights are different. I think you're going to win those. <laughs> so, that's true. I think you're good we're, with that. We're okay with betting on you on that one. <laughs> what yeah, if I have brass like, uh, knuckles? It yeah. ups my chances? Sure. Absolutely. Just kidding. <laughs> um, if you're... Uh, um, actually, one thing, though, that I, I've kind of considered more reasonably... Uh, sorry, more recently, as being when, when can you go back to the gun range? Because, you know, yeah. everybody's firing guns since this pandemic... And it's there's a lot of kickback with those guns. Yeah. So same thing, six to eight weeks. Oh shoot! Yeah, yeah. I had no. a I had an appointment <laughs> on Sunday to go <laughs> to the range. Yeah. Unless you're shooting like an AR-15, which doesn't have a whole lot of kickback, I think I'm okay. But I don't yeah, want that true. button up against Even your pistols? implant. Pistols, pistols, no? pistols, six to eight weeks. Damn it! Yeah, now you gotta wait. Sorry, can yeah. I swear on this? You can. You swear all you want. <laughs> but the, uh, but I think golfing? that's important. I feel like golfing boobs always get in the way. Yeah, six to eight weeks. Okay. Yeah, because they do. Then you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna kind of come through and cause an issue with that. So All right. um, that has to wait. But you can get back and doing curls, tricep kickbacks, elliptical, um, anything non-impact in the next you know basically ten days or so. Okay, you know, cool. you'll see how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, very lightweight to start. Yeah, so it's the today like you you're talking about probably like around the beginning of April. Okay, when can she do push-ups? Never. He's like, never. I, I never want to see a push-up ever again. <laughs> In eight years. How's that sound? Once your next revision is yeah. up. Yeah, then you can start. <laughs> well, then, then go ahead. You know, we've already got you booked for the next one. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You'll probably need to swap these out 10 years from now. I probably mm-hmm. will still be in practice by then. But uh, if not, you've got Dr. Ravello here. Who's, I'll be here. Perfect. You know, she's, she's gonna, this will be her spot. Perfect. But I think I'll still be here. I think 10 more years, I'm good. You'll be here. Yeah. Where are you going to go? I... <laughs> <laughs> you got something else Mars. better to do? <laughs> <laughs> like you have other things in your life, I, old I, family, and you know, I, I don't. This is what I do. I love doing surgery. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's about the the long and short of it for being a fitness model and getting some breast implants in position. I think uh, there are a lot of people that have those questions. So thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Yeah. No, Um, thank you for making this such a positive experience. I'm so pleasantly surprised and I'm so happy with them. 
Like I never knew. I I like almost cried looking in the mirror. I was like, oh, could you see that? I actually did cry. So <laughs> it was, it, you know, I think we, we had a moment there where we were both like, yeah, no, they yeah. do. They look great, but it, we're not out of the woods. It's very early. I, I never high five until we're six months out on mm-hmm. breast implants. It takes a long time to heal. So, I, oh yeah, I'm glad and photo shoots, great. photo shoots, back to photo shoots for me a month. Yeah, three to four weeks probably because it, be it'll okay. still be swollen and because what they kind of settle in right, like they will look a little bit more. Yours will settle faster because the pockets were not. You didn't have big capsulectomies and things that are. You know, you, you're you were in a difficult position, but not a bad uh, healing position. So I think you'll probably be okay in four weeks or so. Okay. Yeah. So probably four weeks from now, you could book something. Cool. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, the the scars. You know, obviously, you're, if unless you're going doing nude, the um, the scars around the areola are going to need some time mm-hmm. and some work, and we're going to have to focus on those. But they. Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing like general fitness stuff and you know all your fitness wear, you'll be fine. Okay. Cool. And, Very cool. Uh, and good news, the nipples are at the same level. So they're yeah, like, they're facing the same direction. <laughs> yeah. One One's not going to the South Pole and the other one to New York City. So that's good. This is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it's good that they're going straight ahead. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Whitney Johns. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ravello. This is great. Uh, yes, such this a is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive, in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496, and Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives it's something that allows patients to come in get their facials skin treatments take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform It's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800 and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com.
We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.